0: Just a quick disclaimer before we begin. The views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the guests and do not reflect the opinions of the podcast or its sponsors. Thanks. Were Jews always on the side of the oppressed? Is being sensitive to the suffering of others baked into our religion, or has it just become part of our culture over time? Most importantly, what motivates a guy like Bernie Sanders to help the oppressed? Is it his Jewish background, or... Does he just do it in exchange for a hot bowl of soup? And just in time for the conclusion of this completely insane election, on this mini episode of The Kibbutz, we've got an extended cashier versus cashier conversation to help you consider why Jews have historically been on the side of the oppressed. We'll also have an interesting discussion about the origins of tikkun olam and how it's changed over time. Also, I wanted to let you know that our next episode is going to be a slightly different format that we're trying out. The subject is Frank Sinatra's Jewish and Israeli activism. I knew that a lot of Jews loved old blue eyes, but who knew he loved them right back? There's even a crazy story involving Sinatra, a sack full of money, and a ship full of weapons bound for Israel. It's kind of mind-blowing, so I hope you will check out that episode, which should be up in a few weeks. In the meantime, I'm your host, Dan Crane, and I hope you enjoy this special episode of The Kibbutz. David Kasher is a rabbi. His brother, Moshe Kasher, is a comedian. Together, they'll debate the fundamentals of Jewish activism. This is Kasher vs. Kasher. All right, we are back with Casher and Casher. Today we're talking about
1: Jews and activism. Wasn't it Casher versus Casher? Have we become less contentious? (laughs) I mean, we haven't really been arguing enough. That's true. true. You guys need,
0: yeah, so now it's just Casher
1: and Casher. I think we've been arguing plenty i think
2: oh i disagree well i disagree with you oh do you see how
0: we did that Uh. welcome back to Casher versus Casher. hell yeah um the comedian and a uh a rabbi um so we're talking about jews and activism and um like over the last century jews most jews have tended towards liberalism and and uh, an important minority have tended towards like radical ideologies like socialism um radical islam radical islam exactly a lot
1: of jews are involved in the radical islam <laughs> exactly. movement it's actually very confusing when you think about it, actually but
0: um but so much so that that, that kind of the jew as radical or, or liberal or troublemaker uh, politically has become sort of a stereotype um and so i, I want to know like how far back does that go is that just a is that just kind of the last hundred years that that's been the case or have Jews always been sort of like radical? Well, I
2: mean to, to, in, in, in one sense, it goes all the way back in that our founding narrative is a liberation narrative, a liberation from slavery. We were oppressed peoples. And so that's got, I mean, that's, that's Passover. That's how we say we came to be, People. So once that's your starting point, then certainly you're sensitive to oppression and human bondage everywhere. And that's not just a thematic. uh, Possibility, the 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 Torah takes that up very directly as as the laws begin to unfurl after the Exodus narrative. Many of them for, refer directly back to, well, you were once slaves in Egypt, so don't oppress the stranger. You were the outsider, so you have to be sensitive to the outsider. And I think that's that's official. That's as like as officially Jewish as you can get. The way it's been taken up by different generations has varied and and received different emphasis, but. That's core Judaism, is this idea of you know oppression, so you have to be sensitive to it and not inflict it upon others.
0: And has that I mean has that always been? I guess what are the different mani- maybe I don't know if you know historically kind of the different manifestations that has taken uh, throughout our history. Um, like I, you know, it's easy to kind of see that in Reform Judaism in in the U.S. is like, oh, we, you know, helped out in you know in the civil rights movement. We were marching alongside Martin right. Luther King, but like, what else?
2: Well, we're, I think that the the other, if if that is a, a core Jewish principle to be sensitive to the suffering of others, the other kind of Jew, Jewish principle which is intentional principle interest,
1: with, principle interest on a loan. Uh, the other one, I mean, I mean, just trying to jump in here with a couple of jokes.
2: Um, the other interest. one that's We're in gr- with the, we like money. We like money. I mean, but the the other one that's in tension with that is is this idea that we are a separate people, and so that to, to the to the extent to the extent to which we emphasize our particularism and our separateness from the rest of humanity, uh, we become less sensitive to the suffering of those outside of the. Jewish communities. So I think when you look at the reform emphasis on social justice, part of what that is, is taking this old notion that we have to, you know, be sensitive to oppression and merging it with like a, a more universalist ethic, which has not always existed in Jewish consciousness and has wavered often to to in degrees that are that correspond to how much we're being oppressed it's not so easy to be sensitive to the sufferings of others if you're currently undergoing pogroms and currently being sure. oppressed by other people you, you got to kind of worry about your own survival first so i think that that's that's the x factor like to the extent that jews are flourishing in the world Um, to that extent, they might be able to extend a hand to others, but to the extent that they feel persecuted and isolated, they stop caring so much about (laughs) like the, uh, like the, the non-Jews. But
1: but we're not just talking about Jewish activism for non-Jews, right? We're talking about spirit of Jewish activism, period. I mean, the Romans lost more men, uh, conquering, trying to conquer Judea and Palestine than they did, uh. Than they did, the, like you know, the rest of the Middle East combined, or you know what I mean. So Jews have a long and storied history of rebellion and eschewing the yoke of the oppressor for themselves, right? And that's just that's just old school. That's not even Exodus. That's you know, that's ancient history. That's actually that's actually documented in the <laughs> his, histories of Josephus. <laughs> I don't just make greedy Jew jokes. I also cite. Very problematic historical sources. <laughs> yeah, but Moshe's right to, to, mm-hmm. to, to yeah, question
2: is. what we mean by activism. Because it's true that in our current parlance, activism tends to be looking out at the world and seeing if there are any problems doing something about it. But if you just look at how does the Jewish community function as an internal community, that's a form of, of activism as well. We've always emphasized um, the value of, of tending to the poor and of building a just society and, and all of those things, I think, in some ways fall into the, the category of being an active helper of other humans. Again, I think it's a question of um, whether that is uh, an in- the construction of one society or the looking outward towards other societies.
0: Right. I mean, does that have to do, is that stem out of the whole, like, tikkun olam thing of... Healing the world is that I mean,
1: well, that- that's a much less cynical view on it, right? Is like if it's Tikkun Olam, then it's actually religiously uh, incumbent upon us to go out and do activism for other suffering communities. But yeah, I mean, look, uh, I should say something about Tikkun
2: Olam because it's become such a buzz phrase in the Jewish community. Uh, just as a as a matter of like historical record, in one sense, the value that we herald as you know tikkun olam is not actually so traditional like the phrase tikkun olam once upon a time just meant like like little fixing things like in the social order, like making sure documents were accurate. Like the, the way it was oh, originally so, used. So I'm
1: the jerk for doing the interest joke, but really Takuna Lama originally was just about making sure documents were notarized. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> right. A, Cliches sometimes are funnier it. than jokes.
2: Exactly. And then, uh, and then in the, in the 1500s, it became repurposed again to mean something mystical, like fixing the actual, um, order of the spheres through mystical kind of actions, Kabbalism. And, and Kabbalism, and then and then it's really the reform movement that kind of took it up as a oh let's let's think of fixing the world as just like making a better world for all. Now, um, in that sense, it's a it's a phrase that's been repurposed for modern in, interests and values. But it's not it's not in another sense it's not it's not in opposition to a jewish spirit in the sense that the prophets the ancient hebrew prophets were always talking about some future time when the world would be good for all people and my my house will be a house of prayer for all people and everybody will get and there'll be peace and you're going to beat your swords into ploughs into into ploughshares and so so there's a sense in which yes like that is very much a jewish ethic that we're that the end goal of history is not to leave the world and get into heaven, but to, but to build a peaceful society. So that I think is very much a Jewish. It's just the, the Tikkun Olam as a phrase is, is something that we kind of, we kind of created in the, right. It's like the
0: mindfulness of. Yes,
2: uh, exactly. That's very, very good. So,
1: but we do have, you know, well, the Jews were very involved in the foundation of communism, of Zionism, of, uh, American, uh, you know, weirdo, Hippie movementism, civil rights movement to the mm. extent that, you know, white people were, I mean, you can't really say they were responsible for the American people of color, civil rights movement. But to the extent that white people were involved, a lot of those people were Jews that were mm. involved. People died in, you know, I mean, we we've been around and we've done a, a lot of it. And, and now actually, it's kind of interesting. It's like, you know, there, I don't know of another not to get into the thorny issue of uh, Palestine and Israel. Um, but you, i don't know of another movement that has so many members of its own factionalized tribe on the opposition side so, i mean as many feelings i may or may not have about the jewish voice in the pro, in the you know anti occupation movement it's very interesting how many jews are in that movement considering that human beings tend to default to factionalization and tribal tribalism yeah. It's interesting that so many Jews are on the pre-Palestine framework, and somebody might say, well, that's just because it's incumbent upon them, but I also think there's something innately Jewish about b- just being in, in that st- opposition struggle.
2: Uh, you know, it's also interesting, you know, if you take the examples that has just given, you know, uh, the the advent of, of socialism and communism, the civil rights movement, you know, modern sort of lefty justice movements. It, it's interesting that generally speaking, that, that Jews have been at the forefront of those movements, but the Jews that have been at the forefront of those movements have generally been less traditional, less religious, religious. Jews, less even, you might say, affiliated Jews. And then I think there's a really interesting question As to whether it is there... There's some connection, right? So many Jews, but is it their Judaism that's informing that? Like you take Bernie Sanders, you know, again, whether you agree with him or not, right? Clearly is motivated by great principles of justice, a, a vision of the world that he believes in that involves all kinds of things.
1: Love, the guy loves, loves soup. a good bowl he of soup. Involves rye, all kinds of, <laughs> a tangy rye
2: that track with Jewish values, right? T- like the, the idea of tending to the poor and of building a better world. And like of t- you know, these things, you might read back into exit in the book of exodus or into the prophet isaiah is bernie sanders saying hey i'm i mean he'll say oh i'm a proud jew but is he really like deeply informed by the jewish tradition or is it just culturally like in his yeah but it's all true right it's
1: just all true like he was born into a generations-long lineage which probably at one point was religiously activism oriented and then probably drifted towards european secularist uh leftist communist leanings just like our grandparents were one side of our family was religious Hasidic and the other side was American communist party members. So it's like, it's right. all the same it's thing. Kind of the it's same. like, yeah. it's the reason that Woody Allen is so Jewy is is because he just drips with it even without
0: any Torah involved. Well, I want to, I kind of want to come back to your point. I mean, uh, it is a can of worms to talk about Israel, but I think it is really interesting that it's almost like a moral uh, kind of a moral dilemma that i think a lot of jews face now is you know we as you know there's a tendency to side, to side towards the oppressed as as which is part of our history and in the eyes of many people in the world the palestinians are be, are considered oppressed and certainly the 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 far left is uh you know considers the palestinians as an oppressed people and so it puts you in a sort of quandary of like well you want to support israel because it's it's israel but then uh, you know you also feel like there's oppression going on
1: i mean i don't want to get into my (laughs) own isn't it funny how you can't even talk about this stupid topic uh, like tripping over uh, like nine sedimentary sort of Firewalls of like oh, but um, oh, well, I mean, technically speaking, there's well, if you go, well, I mean, but it's like you know, it is a bummer, actually, be, beyond the obvious bummer. But it's a bummer that Jews have are so doubled down on their you know side that they've chosen that we can't even actually. Not only can we not have a real honest conversation about the topic, but you can't even enact your own spirit of social justice that you would say is innate because you feel so people feel so factionalized. And I I actually think a very disappointing thing is happening in American Judaism, which is that people are so reactionarily pro-Israel, and by the way, I love Israel, uh, that they have become right-wing idiots.
2: Right, although I think on that issue, I I would agree with what you've just said, and I would also say that on that issue, there are left-wing idiots as well, people who are so singularly minded in their sense of what of what it means to liberate the oppressed, that there, that there's no, no sensitivity to the complexity of this issue. And I think that, you know, again, I, I'm, only, I'm not qualified to speak to contemporary politics, but just in terms of an ancient Jewish paradigm, all of the language around um, tending to the oppressed, being um, welcoming to the stranger, all of the justice principles that do exist in Judaism, the, they don't contravene having... Um, a a a national solidarity they don't they don't undermine the jewish sovereignty jewish power like th- it's complicated in other words and um of course um Jew- jewish principles of justice are central to our tradition but so is our nation and our survival and our peoplehood and, and yeah. again those things are are just just always intentional
0: yeah. I'm act-
1: But I'm actually making a, a finer point. And, a, and I would say a better, smarter, more articulate.
0: Point. <laughs> are you going to use the word contravene? Because uh, I think that would really uh, help. <laughs> uh, no, that was good. Uh,
1: and I would use it if I knew what it meant. Yeah, I, me would too. Def- I would go for it. <laughs> you stupid. But uh, what I'm actually saying isn't, because I have a lot of opinions on Israel-Palestine, just like everybody does. Mine happen to be correct, but that's neither here sure. nor there. Uh, I'm talking about something different, which is people are so, the, the more troubling trend to me is that people are so concerned with a strong, safe Israel that they are compromising other parts of the Jewish ethic for justice. So now you've got a sizable minority of American Jews that are affiliating themselves with, let's say, a political party that doesn't represent the historical Mm -hmm. interests of American Judaism. Just because they want to see a strong Israel, they would also like... They are willing to or maybe un, un, unseeingly willing to collapse every pillar of social justice that yeah. isn't even affiliated with the Jews or Israel
0: yeah I mean I, to me that's just endemic if you will to Ooh, the uh, to our, our our political times of, of extreme polarization it's like there's no there is no room for subtlety there's no room for you know uh, debate on right. anything
1: but uh, I don't like Jewish exceptionalism, but shouldn't we be better than that? <laughs> we <laughs> we should. Right. isn't that the idea? <laughs> no, and listen,
2: actually, the idea that we should be better than that is a traditional no- a traditional notion that is to yeah. say, in the book of leviticus when uh, when it when God promises that you're gonna go into the land, the almost immediately there's a cautionary and 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 that centers around acting well in that land so as as a traditionalist i do believe that the jews are a nation that like any other nation has a land and belongs in it and and has a, an inheritance to it but it's but my tradition is very clear that in order to stay in that land and have a right to it you have to behave with with justice you have to be, behave ethically and so you know I'm not one to to know exactly what that means in a contemporary context, but I know that that's a true Jewish principle that you have to, yes, like you have a nation, but it has to be a just nation. It's ironic that often on the right, there's this strong belief in Jewish exceptionalism, but less of a concern for like justice and compassion to other people. And on the left, there's this like hypersensitivity to to the justice that we have to show to others, but but God forbid we should be exceptional in any, in any way. Right. And actually, I think that maybe the, the truest Jewish ethic is that we are an exceptional people in our principles of justice. We have to be better than other people, not in some essential way, but in the way that we act, in the way that we behave, in the principles that we that we bear onto the world. The, the idea of being a light unto the nations is about trying to b- bestow
1: to the world a sense of how we all act to, ought to act to one another. Yeah, right? and for if, if you'll forgive me a deep thought, what good is a light unto the nations if it only shines during the day? Huh? Don't know what you mean by <laughs> that. I'm just saying it's like it's in the dark times that you're really supposed to shine. Ah, ah, you know, deep. It's, it's not just like you act good when things are easy. You yeah. act good actually when there are explosives at your doorstep. That's true exceptionalism. I would say that's the thing that's missing.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Kibbits. If you liked it, please rate us and review on iTunes. Spread the word. Send feedback, anything you want to say to me at kibbutzpod at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at kibbitspod. And give us a like on Facebook for crying out loud. What's what's taking you so long? Uh, Also, you can follow me at Dan Crane here. I'd like to thank our guests, the Kasher brothers. For more from Moshe Kasher, go to moshekasher.com, and you can check out Rabbi David Kasher's amazing podcast at parshanut.com. This episode was produced and edited by me, Dan Crane, with help from Adam Sachs, Sarah DeLeo, and David Jargowski. Special thanks to David Katz Nelson, Francine Hermelin, and as always, Reboot. Music was provided by my current band, Ray and Remora. Our new album is available now, and please check us out online at rayandremora.com. And our main theme is courtesy of my old band, Nu Non Plus. So, as my great-grandmother used to say... That's the way it is in a small town with a large population. Thanks for listening to The Kibbits.